Hey, what up? It is the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Halkren. Today, uh, as promised, I've finally gotten it to you. This will be the entire keynote, including the Q&A of the social jujitsu talk that I did last week. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, at the beginning, there is a shout out to my mother because she's never been to one of these and she was there. So it was very fun. So I hope you enjoy that and have an amazing Thursday. I will be at the Bankston Center for Aesthetics and Plastic Surgery tonight running their socials. So uh, if you need anything, you can get at me on Twitter at Polymath and Vine. Have an awesome Thursday. We'll talk tomorrow. Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing Podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. So um, a couple pieces of business before we get to start. Um, I have never had the opportunity to do this, so um, my mother is here, which has never happened before, because uh, we're from Chicago. So mom, if you could raise your hand real quick so everyone can see that you are here. And also, real quickly before we start, I know you're eating slows, and they were really impressed with the number of people that came here, and I said it was for the food. So uh, I know you're not really here for me, so I appreciate that. But um, if you could, for a second, do an experiment for me, and everybody take your hands and place them in front of you, palms up, and hold them there until I tell you to stop. It'll be the, lo- it'll be the longest 15 seconds of your life. Man, that brisket looks good, right? <laughs> and continue eating. Okay, I I do that as a social experiment because neuroscience will show us that putting your palms up for just 15 seconds actually changes your brain and opens it up to accept new ideas. And so I like to start my talks that way so that you're ready to accept some things that you um, will be excited to learn, I hope. So where are we? Well, we're two places. One, our customers collectively, they don't go online anymore they live online. So while today your keynote says we're talking about social jujitsu or social media, social media is actually a slang term for the current state of the internet. And before we get into the nuts and bolts of what I'm gonna be talking about today, which is social jujitsu, I wanna unpack that term a little bit. Because about three years ago, there was a term social jujitsu, and what it was talking about is these Svengalis that could go to networking parties and get you to talk about yourself in a way that you normally don't do in public sectors uh, or spaces. And as somebody who has practiced Brazilian jiu-jitsu for 16 years, this definition made zero sense to me. So what I intend to do today is postulate a different definition of social jiu-jitsu. So how did I get into social, into jiu-jitsu or social media? I got into jiu-jitsu in a very interesting way. Some of you, I know there's four or five people here, not including my mother, four or five people here that uh, know who I am. And for those of you who don't know who I am, I worked in this town in radio for 20 years. And then I recently left to become the director of marketing at MLive. While I was working in radio, I did morning radio. And anybody in this room who has gotten up consistently at three o'clock in the morning knows that your body hates you for it. If you get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and make a steady diet of sitting on the couch, consuming gallons of Mountain Dew and eating nothing but donuts, your body really hates you for it. And I got very fat and needed to not get fat. And so I knew that running wasn't going to work for me, and I knew that going to the gym wasn't going to work for me. And I got introduced to a boxing gym here in town called Frank's Boxing Gym. And after training there for a little bit, I decided I was going to take a fight. And when I took that fight, I learned this Mike Tyson quote in the first eight seconds of the fight. (laughs) 
uh, as the gentleman I was fighting broke my nose. So after that fight, I knew that boxing, as fun as I was having, uh, was not the thing for me. I needed something that fit my body type a little bit better. And in this town, we happen to have a Hoist Gracie gym. And Hoist Gracie is uh, the winner of the UFC, three-time Hall of Famer. Uh, his submission finishes in the UFC. He is the grandfather of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in the United States. And we were blessed to have a gym here. And I went down there and I started training and I fell instantly in love with it. And if you don't know what Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is, essentially it's submission wrestling. And the point of it is, is to submit your opponent and get them to tap or give up. Essentially what all of us want to do to our competitors. We want them to tap and give up so it makes our life easier. What this family did is take the idea of Jiu-Jitsu, which comes from Japan and is much more like what you would understand for Judo, hip tosses and stuff like that, and morph it into this ground fighting game or submission wrestling. So to put it into a vernacular that we're talking about today, they took the map of the internet and what social media has done is put it there because everybody here is using this as their first screen. I mean, as I was waiting to talk today, I saw that just about 96% of you had done something on your phone between the time that you got in here and the time that I got up here. And if I don't do a good enough job in the next 10 minutes, you'll go right back to doing that. And I know that. Okay, so uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is often referred to as the gentle art. But today, we're going to use a different definition because I think it's more apt for what we want to talk about. So we're going to use this as a definition. The physical form of psychoanalysis where a weaker position offers a powerful leverage, dominant positions are revealed to be traps, and the price of clinging to one's illusions is relentlessly exposed. And if anybody here has had success on social media against bigger brands, you know that this is true. Because people who do more posting on social that's authentic, better posts, uh, more highly engaged posts as opposed to just advertising on social seem to do a lot better, and that doesn't matter what size the brand is. And I'll show you why in just a second. So while I was training in jiu-jitsu, um, I found that the people that I was training against, the team members that were better than me, always seemed to have an extra limb that I didn't know we had. Uh, so they always had an extra arm or an extra leg and were able to choke me in places that I wasn't aware of you could do because I thought I had tied everything up. I bring this up because I know that a lot of us feel this way about social media. We figure out MySpace, it goes out of business. We figure out Facebook, in comes Instagram. We figure out Instagram, in comes Twitter. We figure out Twitter, dear God, there's Snapchat, right? So I bring this up because what I'd like to do in the next 30 minutes or so is eliminate some of the limbs of the octopus here and make it easier for all of us to understand what's going on in the social space and excel in the channels that you need to excel in. If you take one thing away today, it is that under no circumstances do you need to be on all these platforms. In fact, you will lose if you're on all these platforms and you don't know how to excel at them. You'll do a much better job if you pick the one that you're good at and stay there. If Twitter doesn't make sense for you, don't go on Twitter. There's no win for you in wasting time and doing terrible social posts just to say that you're on Twitter. So if you walk away with one thing today, I hope that you would walk away with that. Now, if jujitsu still doesn't click with you, um, I have brought this, um, which... I've done this talk one other time, so I promise this wasn't on purpose, but this was actually the only match my mother ever watched. Um, so uh, this is my first, what's called no-gi, so it essentially looks like I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt. And in 45 seconds, I learn a whole bunch of lessons that I'm gonna share with you here in a second.
So right here, I'm going to try and submit him, and I miss. Then I'm going to attack his ankle and not really know what I'm doing. He's going to flip me over, and he's going to grab my knee. Okay, and he grabs my knee and bends it in the wrong direction. Now, 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 wait, 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 wait. Before everybody freaks out, I just want to explain something. That look right there is not me in pain. That look right there is me understanding that didn't actually hurt. I gave up when I thought it was supposed to hurt. And so I walked away from this with three big lessons. One, there is no way that that dude weighed the same amount as I did. <laughs> Two, I didn't listen to my coaches who told me I was fine, and I was fine. And I was actually, right up to that point, doing pretty well against a guy who was 870 pounds. And three, I learned that I don't need to give up when I think it hurts. I need to give up when it actually hurts, when it's actually hard, or not give up at all. So I went back to the gym and I thought, okay, I'm going to put a strategy together that makes it so I understand what's happening at all times. And I'm gonna break it into four pieces. And I was going to do the following. I was going to observe my opponent and see if they have any ticks. Do they lean one way or the other? Do they like to be on top like that guy likes to, or do they like to be on bottom? And how can I take advantage of those things so that I can control all of their limbs, make sure it doesn't seem like they have eight arms as opposed to two. And once I have control of their body, I was going to trick them, deceive them, and then submit them. And so I put this in practice and practice it over and over and over again in everything that I did in my real life, in my jujitsu life, in my professional life. I started describing to this strategy that I was going to do everything so that I was finishing the work uh, as much as I possibly could. And the very next match that I had was a tournament. Um, and I got in a bout with a guy and he trapped me um, a couple of times and eventually I get him in this move, which is what's called a triangle. You saw me try it earlier. I finally figured it out. This is not me, by the way. Um, but I finally figured it out. And one of the best ways to get out of a triangle is, uh, if anybody has watched the WWF at any point, uh, is to powerbomb your opponent. So this particular gentleman uh, picked me up over his head and was going to slam me down in the mat. Now, he may or may not get out of the triangle, but I knew that he was gonna lose that match if all I did is hold on, because it was illegal in that match. So he slams me to the mat, and I win, because I knew that I was gonna hold on, and I understood the rules, and he clearly did not. From that point on, I kept that strategy going and going and going. And I didn't win every match, but I understood where it was at all points and understood when it actually hurt versus when it sort of felt like it hurt. And so I bring this up because I feel that this is a perfect sequitur into where we are today because our customers are consuming media in a much different way. To put it another way, if they wanted to watch traditional ads, there wouldn't be Netflix, there wouldn't be Hulu, there wouldn't be Sling. If they wanted to look at ads in the newspaper, they wouldn't be flipping the page or not buying the newspaper at all. If they wanted to consume radio in mass, there wouldn't be things like Pandora or Spotify or Beats. And please, tell me about your successful billboard campaign when 49% of the people on the road are doing that. Right? There's a, there's a place for mass media, but it's not the only place. We've got to con create a strategy that encompasses all the places that people are. I mean, not that I would advocate this, but you'd be better off buying a Facebook ad there than a billboard, I'm just saying. So, how does an art form from 1882 that looks like men dressed in various sundries of pajamas help you win at social media? That is a perfect question. So, what I've done is taken the same strategy that I used and converted it so that we can use it in a marketing space in any medium. We're talking about social today, but you can do this in any place. It works better in social for a various reason that I will explain to you right now. So we're gonna break it down into four stages, just like we did when we were competing. Awareness, 
Brand awareness, you guys know what that is, right? We're getting them aware of our brand so that they come to whatever page we want them to come to. Engagement, giving them content. If anyone in this room doesn't understand that content is the game, you need to understand that content is the game. And once you have that content, we need to convert them into whatever we're converting them. Do you want Facebook likes? Do you want page views? Do you want uniques? Do you want to sell a widget? All of those things are brought byproducts of step two, which I would say is the number one thing that we should be doing. And then once we've converted them, we're gonna move them into advocacy and let them do some of the advertising for us. Because they are spending all of their time, well, we all are, spending all of our time on this device. It's never more than five feet away from us at any one point during the day. We check it over 150 times a day. 150 times you take that out of your pocket. So, I've talked long enough about jujitsu. Let's sweep the leg, Danielson, and get to work. All right, we will start with Facebook. And I start with Facebook because most of us have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. And that love-hate relationship is that the relationship has changed between marketers and Facebook. When Facebook started, it was this free, easy place that users could jump on and talk to one another and share photos and share moments and comment and like and all of those things. And we as marketers thought, hey, we can do that too. So we all jumped on and shared and commented and like all good marketers, we ruined it, right? So uh, Facebook has turned this into a pay-to-play space, which they should. Nobody in this room, not one human being in this room thinks that they should get a free TV commercial. Nobody in this room thinks that that billboard should be free. They don't think they should get a free radio commercial, but still, some people think that they should be able to jump on Facebook and advertise for free, and they wonder why they get one or 2% conversion on their Facebook page when they're not putting any spend against it. The great news is we know more about our customers now than we ever have, and Facebook has some of the best targeting, I think, on planet Earth, specifically in the social space. So here's just an example. I guessed a little bit today. Uh, so I picked, I played around in the Facebook uh, targeting system. I picked people who are into digital marketing, social media, uh, like the downtown market, maybe are page uh, admins on Facebook, average age between 25 and 45. It turns out that there are 6,300 people. So I don't know where the other 6,200 are, but for the 100 that got here, congratulations. Um, and you can play around with this as much as you want if you haven't gotten in here. You can use it for dark posts, you can use it to promote a post, you can even use it for Instagram, which I'll talk about later on. At the upper right-hand part where it says audience definition, it'll tell you if you're specific or broad or right in the middle. And that's a, a point where when you're running a campaign specifically on Facebook, you might find that while I've got 6,300 people that have raised their hands and self-admitted that they fall into these categories, that I might want to broaden this and take one of these categories off and see if there are people that might be into what we're doing today that don't say on Facebook that they're into the three things that I've picked. The one thing I will say is, uh, like I said earlier, if you're putting out content or curating content, the one thing that you want to be careful of, and I alluded to this a couple minutes ago, is under no circumstances should you do this. And what this is, is on the left-hand side is a tweet about a running story. On the right-hand side is a Facebook post about the same story from the same brand. Why shouldn't you do this? Well, because if you're gonna be on different platforms, there needs to be different reasons for the customers to follow those platforms. There is no reason for me to follow both of these platforms if you're gonna put the same content in the same place, especially when it looks nearly identical. So, Again, pick the lanes that you're going to be in and succeed at them. And Twitter is a big one. I'm not gonna talk much about Twitter today because I think they're the most at risk of not being around sooner than later. I just think it's too hard to gain traction on Twitter. 
And you see a lot of brands doing this for this very reason. It's, it's hard to sit on Twitter 24 hours a day and succeed, so you mirror your Facebook posts and hope that it works, and in most cases, it doesn't. So quick share of uh, hands. How many people in this room would love to have a half a million Facebook likes on your Facebook brand page? If everybody in the room doesn't put their hand up, I don't know why we're here. Um, what if I told you that it doesn't matter? What if I told you that that number doesn't matter? And here's what I mean by that. Here's Noodles and Company. They have a half a million likes and they put a post on their page. Now they didn't spend against it, but they put a post on their page that got 29 likes. No comments, no shares. Now my middle school math will tell me that's not even 1% of their audience. The trick here is not how many people. The trick here is how many people care about what we're doing. The trick here is putting up engaging content that people want to read and consume and share with their friends. It's not getting the most likes. Just like it's not getting the most paid views, it's not getting the most uniques. Those are metrics that are necessary to measure, but those are not, I, I don't believe those are not the metrics that you can say that you're successful at. Because I can show you page after page on any brand that you would like that has half a million, a million, two million, they may have bought most of them, and they get no engagement. So what, I mean, what are they doing here? Because if this was my brand or I was telling this brand what to do, as opposed to putting up this vanilla post about, hey, are you running in a big race that doesn't have a name this weekend? Good, we're here for you. Um, check out this article that goes to Runner's World. What I might do in the digital space is go, hey, runners, here are seven reasons that you should carbo load the night before a race with a link to a blog post on Noodles & Company's website. When you click that link on the Noodles & Company website, it pixels your phone. And when that pixel knows that you're at your race, it's going to serve you a coupon, giving you $5 off a dish at Noodles & Company. That's the stuff that we should be doing. They don't want to be advertised to. We know that. That's why we have DVRs. We don't want to watch commercials. We want to be talked to like human beings. And one of the things, if you're a brand or managing a brand that makes some content but curates a lot of the content, which a lot of us have curation issues, there's a platform on Facebook called Signals that I think is groundbreaking and fantastic. So this is what it looks like. And if you go to signals.facebook.com, you can sign up. On the left-hand side here is the, um, the trending that you will see on your right-hand side in the live version of Facebook. But these, some of these have not shown up in your right-hand side just yet. And they also have an emerging. So you can click on these um, and see what things people are starting to talk about that's gonna end up in the trending. This is a great trick for organic traffic on Facebook because you essentially can inject your brand into a conversation before it hits scale. So think of it like this. It's either insider trading for curating content or it's starting the Indianapolis 500 at lap 250. The other thing that they have is you can see what people are talking about in specifics, not just the content that you're seeing here, but by person. So uh, here is public figures that people are talking about as of yesterday. So they're talking about Alec Baldwin. They're talking about Quentin Tarantino and the New York police wanting to boycott his new movie. Uh, you can see in sports. Now, the thing to note about Signal is it doesn't tell you if it's positive or negative. So while Quentin Tarantino is up and is 36% of the total conversation about actors, it doesn't tell you if it's positive or negative. You kind of have to click on the name and you'll see what people are saying. Sports teams. And, uh, and then you can break that down into quarterbacks. Uh, Major League Baseball is up there and they've got a couple other things. So 
Signal is a great thing for curating content. And if you haven't had a second to jump in and play around with it, I would highly suggest doing it because I have seen a 100% increase in my engagement organically by using this platform. Now, word of note, you, it takes some timing, right? So if you don't have time to sit on it, you might not have time to succeed at it. So this is something that I try and do once a week where I set aside some time and catch a conversation that I find interesting that I can interject myself into. So now that we know some new things that we should put on Facebook and how we can curate content, we gotta figure out how we're going to talk to our audience on Facebook. What sort of ways are we going to advertise to them? And if your brand or the brand you're talking to is not using video, I'm gonna tell you this probably 11 times in the next 20 minutes, you are clinically, clinically insane, okay? Clinically insane. They are getting four billion views a day on Facebook native video. They are up 400% year over year because of one thing that happened last summer, the ice bucket challenge. As soon as the ice bucket challenge happened, Facebook knew that they had a product to sell and they have been doing a great job of selling that. And we're seeing Facebook video perform 30 or 40 times better than all of the other campaigns that we're paying against, that we're uh, you know, increasing in some way, shape, or form, regardless of dollar amount. So 20 to 30% better engagement on video than we are spending against posts, doing dark posts, or anything of that regard. And the really interesting thing is when you start mirroring Facebook native video with a mass medium. If you take TV and you put it in Facebook native video, you're getting engagement that any brand would be excited about. So if you've got a commercial that's interesting content, some people put out really great commercials. Think about the Super Bowl, right? And there's some really cool stuff happening here in town. If you've got that or a piece of content that you put on television, you were on 8 West, you were on Take 5 or whatever they, my Michigan or whatever they call it today, you know, you were on TV in some way, shape or form and you put that on Facebook in native video and put a spend against it, you're seeing a 47% increase in ad recall after three seconds a 74% increase in 10 seconds, 32% brand awareness, 44% purchase intent in three seconds. And if you boil it down to millennials, most of those numbers double. And the thing about the Facebook ad campaign when you're dealing with native video, you can pay a premium to make sure that it doesn't count against your cost per acquisition for 10 seconds. So if you wanna make sure that they're watching the content and for 10 seconds, you can pay to do that. And I just think these stats, are remarkable. And the amount of money that Facebook has made this year, they've made $17 billion, I believe, in advertising with brands jumping on board, and that's going to triple by 2017. This is a platform that if you're not spending money on, you should play around with it. And I'm not talking thousands of dollars. I'm talking $20, $100. I haven't spent more than $100 on a campaign that we've done, and the numbers that we're seeing are insane. And so if you've got a client that wants to spend more than $100, there's some huge wins on Facebook. And as Sheryl Sandberg said, they're having a Super Bowl on mobile every day. 400 million views, billion, sorry, billion views a day. That's an insane number and something that we should all be jumping into. The other thing that happened two weeks ago is Facebook was talking about the dislike button, that the dislike button was coming. Now, it's currently being beta tested in Spain and I think Japan, and it looks like this if you haven't seen it. It's not a dislike button, it's a series of emojis. Like, love, haha, yay, wow, sad, angry. And most marketers look at this and you have one of two reactions. Oh no, here come the emojis. <laughs> or, or you go, 
this is interesting. And why is this interesting? Well, now instead of just like, just comment, and just share, now I actually know, or know more than I did five minutes ago, exactly why they're interacting with it, right? So we'll take a real life example from Spain. Here's John Oliver talking about pumpkin spice. You've got a whole bunch of shares, a bunch of uh, ha-has, three likes, two uh, loves, one angry, which is clearly a, a college girl that hates that you hate pumpkin spice latte, and 1.1 thousand shares. So you can now see and start to glean some information from your customer about exactly why they interact with the piece of content you, that you put up. And prior to this, you only had three choices. And the three choices were like, which we might call a slacktivist interaction. They just click like and didn't do anything. Comment, right now they actually want to talk about it or tag their friends in it, or the big one, which was share. And then you add to this why they're doing those things, and then you can begin to understand what sort of content they actually want to consume and how they want to consume it. We'll move on to Instagram. And as Jimmy Iovine said, if you asked a millennial to pick between music or Instagram, they're going to pick Instagram. And it is the one thing, if you haven't started on Instagram or have brands that haven't started on Instagram, it's the one that I would say you should jump on. Because there are lots of things happening on Instagram. There are, I believe, somewhere in the neighborhood of 5.5 million photos uploaded a day. And of those photos that are uploaded a day, there's close to 2 billion interactions with them. Now, what does that mean? Okay, well, in English, it means you may have less followers on Instagram than you do on Facebook, but they're consuming more content on Instagram. And while most people think it's just food porn, there's a lot more things happening on Instagram. And as I said earlier, the targeting that I showed you from Facebook is available on Instagram. How you do it is a little wonky if you haven't tried it. You actually have to go to the Facebook ad manager and merge your Instagram account with the Facebook ad manager and then you can begin to run ads for whatever brands that you're an admin over. Uh, and you get the same targeting, you can do the same sort of dark posts so they don't, dark posts if you don't know are posts on Facebook that show up in the news feed but don't show up on the brand page. So same thing with Instagram. They would show up in the actual feed but don't show up on the profile when people go to click back to them. So it's a way for you to keep your ads in the news feed without your profile looking like it's nothing but ads. This is one of my favorite stories of what's currently going on on Instagram. This is Reebok's account. Now Reebok, four years ago, had 600 social media accounts. And they sucked at every one of them. So what they did is they got together and they thought, okay, well, we need to figure out how to win in social because lots of people are doing it. Uh, the fitness world is exploding. Lots of people are talking about wearables and running and getting in better shape and understanding the food that we consume. So we need to be a part of that because we're athletic wear. So they thought, we're gonna go to Instagram predominantly. We're not gonna pay to play. We wanna play around in the organic space. So that's what they did. And they saw an 8,000% increase in 18 months. They had 2,000 Instagram followers a year and a half ago. They have over a half a million today. And they're doing things like this. This is for Ronda Rousey, UFC fighter. They're doing this more than tape. Uh, and the campaign is, um, people on Instagram can take photos of messages that they've written on tape and then Reebok and Ronda Rousey will then transcribe them to her actual hand wraps so that when she goes into her fight she will have the fans messages on her hands when she goes into the fight. So when we talk about engagement it doesn't get much better than that. And Ronda Rousey is a great example. They got the half a million uh, followers before the Ronda Rousey campaign. And Ronda Rousey, if you don't know who she is, she's uh, the first female champion in the UFC that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is she fought in August 
And on the Saturday night that she fought to the Sunday night, the next Sunday night, she got 1.4 million new Instagram followers. So she is hot fire in the branding world, and Reebok is jumping on it. Here's a couple other places uh, where you're seeing interesting ads happening on, again, you can see Reebok, uh, huge win since January 1st, Nike another one, um, but they're, you know, Nike has been doing some successful stuff in social, but I show you the Reebok one because it was a drastic change from 18 months ago, and it's bared some proof for them. Okay, so in the spo sponsored space, I'm seeing some really interesting ads, and, and I think these are great ways to tell a story that doesn't feel like an ad. On the left, you've got Verizon, when better matters. So will you marry me? She doesn't have service, so she can't say yes, so he moves on, or whatever, you know, whatever happens next. I absolutely love this one, and I know it's light in here, so it's a little hard to see, but it is a girl sitting on the ground playing with the Surface book. Uh, and on the ground is covered in paint and there are paints behind her. And one of the things that I like about Instagram is the ability to tell a story in a single image. You can do more images, but some brands are doing some really fantastic stuff in single images. And I think for as much guff as Microsoft gets in the Apple Microsoft universe, this is a great ad campaign that really speaks to the creative and shows what this book could do if you, you know, picked it up, I believe it was yesterday, right? Or is it today? Today, I think. Here are two others. On the left, this is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Uh, he has, if you want to read the text, you can, but I'll break it down for you. He put up a 15 second trailer for a TV commercial. Let me say that again. The Rock put up a 15 second trailer for a TV commercial. So when we talk about mass media, and, and lots of people like to talk about the death of all these mass medias, and it's not a death, it's just a disruption. It's a change in the way that we consume it. This is a change. The Rock got 145,000 likes for a trailer for a TV commercial. If you told me that six months ago, I would tell you you were insane. Nobody's gonna like a trailer for a TV, they're just not that interesting. But here he is doing it. On the right, this is Gary Vaynerchuk's company called Wine Deals, and what they do, uh, and I bring this up because while it only has 40 likes, they're dealing in the engagement game. So what they're doing is selling discount wine on Instagram only. So in the wine world, if those 40 likes turn into 40 bottles of wine, or better yet, 40 cases of wine, they don't need 145,000 likes. You don't need 145,000 likes. You need people that are buying stuff with compelling content. These two, uh, Starbucks is another great one. If you're looking for visual imagery and a way to tell a story, uh, they are, in my mind, the best in the coffee world and probably one of the best brands to be able to know what their brand is and tell the story in a single image. I mean, there's no ad here, guys. This is why Morning exists. That, I mean, aside from their logo at the top, there isn't really even branding inside the image. I put the other one up because it's Voltron. I mean, come on. No, I seriously, I put the other one up because there's some interesting stuff happening in Facebook and Instagram. You cannot see it here because I couldn't get all 121 comments, but you can see it in the Ronda Rousey post. All 121 comments of Voltron are this, guys. It's users tagging other users. And that's a huge opportunity for us to jump in that conversation and talk to them. This is literally people inviting their friends to this party. And every brand has an opportunity to jump in and talk to these new people that have not followed that account. So that's all that is. It's 121 people's names excited about a plastic Voltron toy. And why shouldn't they be? Okay, um, but again, I've said this in a couple other talks, but I, I mean it. In this day and age, when you've got the opportunity and you see the people's names, this is literally like it's 1941 and we're not answering the phone. I know that this is heavy lifting. 
I know that it's hard to succeed at this because it's different than what we've been doing. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that, that it's easier to design that billboard and walk away than it is to spend all day long answering these people's names. But which one of these do you think will bear more fruit when you're talking about dollars at the end of the day? We spend all of this time, all of this time, creating the TV commercial, creating the newspaper ad, creating the magazine ad, creating your, uh, even your digital campaign. And then what do we do at the end of the day? We go, hey, Jimmy, nobody posted on the Facebook page today. Can you, you take care of that? And then we wonder why we're not seeing the success on Facebook. This is a real job that somebody needs to do, either in your organization or hire it out. And we will move on to the scariest ghost on the block. Some people love Snapchat. Most people, though, will answer things like, I don't get it, or this is where the kids sexed, or uh, you know, I, I don't know why people use this thing. But let me tell you, there's a, a different explanation here. One, as I referred to Twitter earlier, you can see that by and large, the beloved millennials that we would all like to put in a basket and take home to our brand, um, they're using Snapchat more than Twitter. Now, this isn't, some of it is about the DIY-ness of Snapchat. Some of it is about the look behind the curtain of Snapchat. But if you look at it from a communication lens, if you use the model of human communication, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on LinkedIn, everything we post is saved forever. Forever, right? And if any of us have kids and we're putting our kids on there, theirs is saved forever too. And they don't even have a voice in that, right? So these posts on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter follow you around to first dates. They follow you around to depositions. Not that I would know. They follow you around to job interviews, right? So some of the allure of Snapchat, and right, literally right before I started talking, um, the girl I know, woman I know, that works for the University of Michigan as their social media manager, started a campaign on Yik Yak with the University of Michigan. So some of the allure here, guys, is the ephemerality, the idea that it's here and then it's gone. They can have a conversation with their friends and it's gone. They are recording this talk, but let's say they didn't. When I'm done talking, you got what you got out of this. When, I, when you're done having lunch with your friends, you got what you got out of that conversation, and then it's done. People like that. They don't want everything in their life recorded. So that's where they're flocking to Snapchat. 100 million active users. Active being the key term. There are a lot more users on the platform, but 100 million active users. Two thirds of them are creating content every single day. To put that in perspective, it's 9,000 photos a second. To put that in perspective, if you had 10 years if you had 10 years to do nothing but look at snaps, you wouldn't be able to consume all the snaps that have happened between the time I started talking and right now. There's a lot of stuff happening on Snapchat. Now, if you haven't played around with Snapchat, we'll go through some of the slides, right? So this is what your user ID looks like. Um, I'm actually using this a lot more for business. And before you laugh at me, let me explain. Um, I'm using this a lot more for business than I thought I would because I hate, you know, I just, hate having to remember to carry around business cards. I just never remember to do this. I do this though, and if somebody snaps a photo of that image, they have all my contact information. And, and I think that's a really interesting way to start to do business. And you can send messages via Snapchat, you can obviously send snaps via Snapchat, but the ability to connect with one another, and I know LinkedIn had a product that was like this that didn't really work out, but I find that this one's working a lot better for me. 
If you haven't seen what the platform looks like, uh, so you've got at the top this platform called Discover. This is their publishing arm. And it is the culmination of everything mass media. So there's long form written content, there's videos, there's short form, there's quizzes, there's did you knows, whatever sort of content that you would put up as a publisher, it's there to consume. It's up for 24 hours and then it's gone. You can see Cosmo at the top. Uh, they have reported that on a daily basis, they get three million people checking out their Discover platform. I promise you on a daily basis, there are not three million people that buy that magazine. I promise you that. So below are the people that I'm following. The live story is in the middle. You can see it in a different view. Discover uh, started as its own page. It still is its own page, but that, they found that that extra swipe kept people from discovering it, so they moved it back. One of the brands that isn't doing such a great job on Snapchat will, and will likely be removed probably by the end of the year is the Food Network because they're just not understanding the way to use the platform. And that's a really important thing when you're using these social mediums is that you understand how to use the platform. People aren't going to Snapchat. If you're a Food Network fan, you'll understand this joke. If not, I apologize. It'll be over in three seconds. People aren't going to the Food Network to watch Ina Gardner cook. That's just not why they're going to Snapchat. You've got to do something a little bit more ingenious. This is Kanye West. And if you watch MTV or you watch the Video Music Awards this year, you know that Kanye West announced that he's running for president in 2020. Don't everyone get excited all at once. <laughs> that is not why I bring this up. I bring this up because the VMAs, as a television broadcast, saw five million viewers. Meanwhile, if we go back to the live story, right, that I taught one step down, the live story, uh, the VMAs had their own live story that was running that same night. And so it was curating people's snaps of what was happening on stage. And the snaps of, remember, five million people watched the television broadcast, which was way more expensive than the Snapchat. On the Snapchat platform, on the live story, they saw 35 million people view his snaps for the live story. Five million people for the television show, 35 million for the Snapchat. They've, got, they've added gamification, so the app is evolving, so people that wanna win awards, you can win some awards. They've added lenses, so you can play around with what your face looks like on Snapchat. I bring that up because October, right now, they've opened that up to advertisers. It used to be to get on Snapchat and advertise in any way, shape, or form, so in the live stories or wherever, it was $750,000. It's a very expensive platform, so it's, it's not really, unless you have a plan, it's not a place to jump on instantaneously. But they are now selling these lenses to brands for $400,000 a day and $750,000 for high volume days. So think like Uber or in a broadcast schedule, think about a holiday schedule when lots of people are buying ads, they up the price. They have over $100 million in this ad platform that they've been doing uh, since the middle of the year. Now that may or may not sound like a, a lot of money to you, but it sounds to me like a lot of money because last year they lost 128 million and this year they've made it. So that's a good year. This is a platform that if you haven't played with it, I would urge you to just play with it a little bit because like every other platform, every other platform we've talked about today has started young and ends up going older, right? You, I mean, to use Facebook specifically, college kids start there, then it goes a little bit older, a little bit older, a little bit older, and then we get our grandmothers on Facebook and we all run away, right? And then we start over. And the same thing happened with Instagram. The median age of Instagram is 32. 
The median age of Facebook is 40. The median age of uh, LinkedIn is 44. The median age of Snapchat is much younger, but it's scaling. And so this is one that I would say, you don't need to throw, I wouldn't advise anybody to throw $200,000 at a guess on Snapchat, but I would tell you to download the app and know how it works. Okay, so to go back what we're talking about. Again, we've mostly, mostly been staying in the engagement world. And I do that specifically because I find that to be the most important step here that makes all the rest of it happen. Awareness happens, they figure out that you exist, you start engaging with them, you convert them into a fan in some way, shape, or form, you sell something to them, and then they become an advocate, so you're still engaging with them all the way through there. The reason I don't put this in a traditional marketing funnel is because my problem with the marketing funnel is what? Anybody. It's got a point at the end, which means there's an end. There isn't an end. In the social space, there isn't an end. It's not like they like your page, they consume the piece of content, and then they quit your page. That's not what we want. We want a continued conversation. And so we've been talking the whole time about this idea of submission. And we want to submit our competitors. That's absolutely what we want to do. But with our customers, we want to do something different. And in jujitsu, when you're practicing, this right here, you're trying to get a flow. So it's just you and your partner communicating non-verbally so that you can continue to exercise, you can continue to practice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's the same with neurology. Neuroscience will tell you that flow is that moment where you and another human being are having this seminal moment where you are just in sync with one another and having a great conversation. And that's what we want to do on our brands. We want to do this as many times as we possibly can. So while we're trying to submit our competitors, we want to create this flow with our customers. Because like I said earlier, they check their phones 150 times a day. 150 times a day. How many of those times are they gonna check you out? Because if they're not checking you out 150 times a day or any of those times a day, they're checking something else out, right? Every single person in here, there's over 100 people in this room, every single one of you checked something different when you came in here. I don't know what any of that content is, but every single one of you has a place that you went on your phone and you're gonna do it another 149 times. It's our job to get in those places. Google calls it micro moments. And if you haven't had a chance to sign up for Think with Google, um, it's a great learning series where they talk about what's happening in the mobile space and how you can intercept them in these micro moments. And the idea being that people go throughout their entire day doing large things, going to lunch, driving to work, picking up the kids, dropping off the dry cleaning. And in between all of those moments, they do a lot of things that they don't realize that they're doing checking their phone, looking at Facebook, jumping on Snapchat, texting a friend. And these are the opportunities for marketers to jump in and catch them and have a conversation with them. We want to have conversations with them because that's what they want us to do for them. So without further ado, I know uh, we're getting close to one o'clock and some of you might have to bounce. This is literally every way that you can possibly get a hold of me if you would like to. Um, and it's at this point, if you guys have a couple of questions, I'd be more than happy to answer that, them, those. Anything. Go ahead. Um, what about with, um, video Periscope. Periscope. So I'm using Periscope right now. Um, and I think, again, when you talk about ephemeral video, and Periscope, if you haven't used it, is Twitter's platform. It's the ability to take video. That video is stored for 24 hours, and then it disappears. There's some cool stuff happening there. My my hesitant or my hiccup is that Facebook has their own product that they're gonna launch that I think is a million times better. And I think they scale better than Twitter does. 
And so as soon as that, they're using it right now for influencers, so there's a couple people that are on. They call it mentions, even though Twitter has a product called mentions. So I think when Facebook launches mentions out to the universe, it'll have a different name. But I think the Facebook one is much better be, for two reasons. One, again, the scale of Facebook. And two, it happens right in Facebook so you can see all of the questions. Because the one thing I don't like about Periscope and I don't like about Meerkat is the questions only really exist as long as the thing is going on. And if you ask a question in the midst of, let's say, 10,000 people are watching a Periscope, if you ask a question in the middle of that, it's gone in like a blink of an eye and nobody has a chance to answer it. On the Facebook one, you'll be able to go back. And you may not be able to do it in real time, but you can go back and physically answer that question. And that goes such a long way to show that you give a crap about your customer that I think that product's going to be much better when they launch it. I would anticipate January-ish. They're still testing it, but other questions? Go ahead, sorry. So they, they do yeah they do have the ability to do some shopping uh, you know their their goal like any other goal and I, I've said that, I haven't said this publicly but I I have the belief that their goal because they've been name dropping Reddit their goal is to actually be the front page of the internet right not a kitschy catchphrase they want us to spend all day every day on there so they they've got plays to figure out how to be a bank they obviously want to be in the the e-commerce space and and I think Facebook with with the e-commerce and the, uh, there's a platform coming up called M that lives in the messenger world that's gonna be like their version of Surrey. And when you combine those two things together, that's gonna be a really, really powerful thing for users to be able to just talk to messenger and go, hey, I was wondering, is there any great barbecue places in Grand Rapids? And it sends them to Slows. And so I haven't had a whole bunch of time to play in the e-commerce space, but when you partner that with the ability for the user to ask them questions, much like three or four years ago when we were all trying to figure out how to win at SEO, I think you're gonna see the same game, is how do you win it at being the thing that comes up when they want whatever it is that you do. Other questions? Go ahead. Yes, so let me, let me step back a little bit. I am a huge, I love Twitter, personally. I think for a brand, it's really hard for a lot of people to understand a half a billion tweets coming at you on a daily basis. And I think a lot of brands do it poorly because they don't have somebody who can sit there all day long. And so it's not that I'm a big fan of it, not a big fan of it, it's the fact that they don't have the ability to slow down the fire hose enough for somebody to succeed there. Now, if you're a brand that, that lives in the live space, things are happening in the now, or you want to jump into search, search your name and go and answer people's questions or say thanks for coming to the, you wanna do all that heavy lifting, it's an amazing place to create a community, an absolutely amazing place. But if you're a, you know, a donut shop down the, the hall that has three employees, you're gonna hate having to do Twitter every day. It's gonna drive you crazy. And so that's why I'm not a huge fan of it because I just think the wealth of information that's going past the user and your ability to stand out, it's so much more heavy lifting than on the other platforms. So that's what I mean by that. And that's why I didn't really spend a lot of time talking about it today. Does that answer your question? Cool. Go ahead. My, my first piece of advice, as I said early on, is pick something that you're good at, like pick one platform and do that one. Um, and the other thing is, if you've got a small team, it's totally okay to schedule stuff. It's not the ideal, it's totally okay. Where it's not okay is if you schedule the posts, specifically on Facebook or even TweetDeck, when you schedule that stuff and then walk away, 
right? That's where it's, you have the opportunity once you put that stuff out there to start interacting with people as they ask questions. And that would be, I, I understand the need for automation, I totally do, but they don't, right? So if you put something out that they really like or they really don't like and they ask a question and it's seven days before you respond to them, that's, that's problematic. Um, and so for a small team, that's why I say pick one thing, come up with a schedule, uh, and the, the other thing I would say is to everybody in this room, if you're not posting on the weekends or on holidays, you're missing a huge white space because most brands go to sleep. Most brands check out at five o'clock on Friday. And by a show of hands, how many people use their mobile phones on the weekends? Right, right. So you're looking for content, but you're, you know, we're leaving all this space on the table where we could you know, very easily post some stuff on Friday that we can go through the weekend and have somebody occasionally check and make sure that stuff's happening. But that's when, when customers change their habits, it's really only in two places. It's on holidays and on weekends. Other than that, they get up at the same time, they eat the same thing, they get the coffee at the same place, drop the kid off at daycare at the same place. And it's a lot harder to get their, their attention to change their habits. So I like those. So if you're looking for a free place to play, I would say weekends and holidays and holiday weekends for a bonus credit. So. That help? I mean, yeah. or hire more. You know, hire more people. So that's a great question. Right. So I mean, to that answer, I would be: if Tuesday's the big email blast day, maybe pick another day. Because if everybody's getting emails on Tuesday, you're likely getting lost in the in the shuffle of emails. But what I would say is that goes back to the content. You know, so what content are you putting in that? Because for me, to help a customer, there's really two things that they want help with, right? They want to save time or they want to save money. So that content that I get in that email, it, it better do one of those two things. If I get an ad, I, I might never open it again, right? If the very first thing I say, see is get, you know, buy one, get one free, whatever, and if it's something I'm not, I'm only sort of interested in because I, I get a lot of that stuff and I probably open four of them that I really care about. And I think a lot of us in the room are probably the same way. So again, if Tuesday's the day, maybe play on another day when people aren't paying attention as much to their onslaught. Of, if they expect their Kohl's email comes on Tuesday, you know, their uh, whatever, their wine deals email comes on Tuesday, all that stuff comes on Tuesday and yours comes on Tuesday, well, now we're in, a, we're in a content game. Like, is your content better than Kohl's? I don't, I don't know, but if it's not, maybe pick another day. So I don't know if that necessarily answers your questions on how that works, but I have no problem with scheduling email blasts, and I certainly have no problem with email because I think it's a way to reach a customer. You just have to go all in on making sure that that content matters to them, not to us, right? Because got, they've got to open it, right? We all have a boss that thinks it should all be ads and logos and logos and ads and ads and logos and they want to sell it to a third party. Your fans aren't going to open that, right? We got to do the content that they care about so that they open it so that they come back and they become an advocate. Is that helpful? Okay. Other questions? You guys have been awesome. Have a great day.